what just happened. Solomon, I thought you got it. What did you just say? Like, you were with me. Like, it's better to not be born. Everything's meaningless. There's no point. And then you say, like, obey God's commands because there's a judgment coming. Like, what? This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big, miraculous ways all the way down to small, everyday things. Hello and welcome to God is Real, God is Good. I'm Kylie. And I'm Camus Johnson. We are your hosts. Um, this is our first time making a podcast. We don't know what we're doing. We're just going <laughs> to put that out there because, you know, got to be honest with people, you know? So Camus and I have kind of been throwing this idea around for how long? A uh, couple weeks. Uh, it's been, no, it, the idea kind of oh. started like a year ago. Yeah, it did start a year ago. Um, and we dropped the ball on that because we're lazy people. <laughs> True. True. Um, but so we're back at it. Quarantine 2020. Kind of brought it back, sort of. Um, so the idea behind this podcast is kind of like the title says. Um, yeah. God is real and he's good. And we wanted to just share stories of why we believe that and just different people's testimonies and just, yeah. So we're going to kind of like... I think our plan is to take turns hosting um, each week to kind of interview a different person and them tell their story about how they know God is real and good, are good. And so just kind of like some of the thoughts from the Bible, like behind these ideas that we came up with, like, because, you know, God really started pressing this on my heart. I was reading the Bible and like, these are some of the verses that I want to share with you guys. So the first verse that I want to share is found in Deuteronomy 32 uh, verse 7. So remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you, when the Most High divided the inheritance of the nation, when he spared the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of their children. Um, next one is Deuteronomy 4 9. Only take heed to yourself and delightly keep yourself. Least you forget the things your eyes have seen, and least you depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your ch- grandchildren. Um, and so, yeah, that verse is really kind of stands out too, because like it's talking about remembering the works that God's done, and not just remembering them for yourself, but telling them to others. Because there's something like stories are so good to tell people because they're easy to remember. But also, when you tell it, you get reminded of how great God has worked in your life, and also it can be a blessing to others. So we just wanted to share it for ourselves and for others, just to be a blessing all the way around. Yeah. It's from Psalms 105, verse 5, and it says, Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders in the judgments of his mouth. Um, So yeah, the same kind of thing, like, speak these things that God's done. Don't let him, like, be forgotten. And then the last one I kind of wanted to share um, is something from the New Testament because I just want to share something from that too. And it's not exactly a verse. It's just kind of like a concept. Um, If you like look at Acts 2, it talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Peter gets up, you know, and they think that he's drunk or whatever. But he is getting up there. And even though Jesus has just recently died, he's still speaking of Jesus and the things that that he's done. If you look at but yeah, if you look at verse like 23 and 24, it says, But God knew what would happen. His prearranged plan was carried out. 
when Jesus was betrayed, with the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in his grip. Just again, speaking, you know, we see Peter, like, even after this just recently happened, speaking to the glory of God. I'm here today as kind of like, well, Camus and I are both here as the host, but I'm going to kind of <laughs> ask her about her testimony. And through that, she's going to like say how she knows God's real and God's good. And that's the whole purpose of this. So yeah, you want to, you ready to share? Yeah. I asked you to prepare for this week, but I didn't really prepare as much as she prepared probably. So, so. good thing somebody came prepared. <laughs> Yeah, so if I could borrow your Bible, because that's based on mine. Oh, well, I, I guess. Thank you. That's so sweet. You're welcome. So, I guess, how I know God is real, just to start with. So, we grew up in a Christian home, and there we have... There's four of us, yep. children. So, Kylie, and I have another older sister, and then I have a younger brother. So, I'm kind of in the middle. And often, like, statistically, it's proven that middle children, they don't feel loved. And it's just typically because you just don't get as much attention because you have, like, siblings ahead of you and below you. And life is crazy, especially when there's a lot of kids. And I guess at a really young age, I just never felt that people really cared about me. And I think this was definitely a lie that Satan planted in my head very young and but it was just kind of something that I grew up believing that no one really cared and no one really paid attention and I kind of became obsessed with doing everything perfect because in my mind if I did everything perfect if I did everything right then people would care they would notice me and I would get the attention and the affection that I was desiring so for me personally the question of God being real it never was a question. I just always assumed that he was because I grew up in a household with that. We went to church every week. We went, you know, to Sunday school. We did all of our lessons and I was obsessed with being perfect. So, you know, I memorized my memory verses. I did it every week. Just this little stereotypical, ideal, perfect Christian child. I think we all kind of like have seen that in the movie. It's <laughs> like, oh, is it Walk to Remember, the one where the girl has cancer? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I don't know if you guys have all seen this, but she's the stereotypical good little Christian girl that, like, carries her Bible around at, mm. <laughs> at school and stuff. You know, super conservative and just... Oh, yeah. She wears, like, dresses. Does she wear them all the time? Yes. Okay, yeah. So just kind of, like, yeah, we all kind of know that stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> so I was that stereotype. Without the dresses. Without the dresses. And we were homeschooled, so. Yeah. So I guess you carried your Bible around all day at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of like just a stereotype that I grew up with and was very much into. And so I guess around the age of 13-ish, like this just wasn't working for me, like always being perfect. It obviously created a lot of stress on me having these really high standards. And because it was perfection, I obviously could never achieve those standards. And so I'd mess up, you know, I'd break something or I would not always a completely honest child or whatever. And then that would just be like a lot of stress and self-hate. Like, oh, you messed up. You're such a bad person. If you were only perfect, then people would care and then you wouldn't, you know, then you would feel loved and then you would be happy. And I just got so sick of the stress and this 
that I couldn't handle this high standard that I was placing on myself that I just broke. And I'm like, fine, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to be this perfect child. I'm not going to worry about what people think. And I'm just going to like, I'm done. And yeah, I think that's like really relatable because like even like, I mean, like we grew up in the same household, but I think a lot of Christians like experience that feeling like they feel like they have to do they have to achieve perfection yeah and like they're trying to achieve it for christ but they're trying to do it without christ mm-hmm. and like i know i've been at that point in my life too where i'm kind of like well screwed up i didn't achieve perfection so like now it's just kind of hopeless like because like that's what happens you know when we try to live life without god you try to like yeah. achieve perfection but it's not within our grasp and it's not what God asks us to do, so. No, and it just, it creates so much stress and negative feelings towards yourself when you do mess up and it's just a really high standard you can't keep. Yeah, for sure. And so that's kind of where I came to. Like, I was just at the end of myself that I couldn't push anymore and I couldn't abstain the standard that I had set for myself. So I just dropped it. Yeah, and I think for some people, you know, like, I mean, you're not saying what happened after that, but for some people, you know, it leads them to, like, walk away from Christ or it Mm -hmm. leads to, like, more self-hate or depression or, like, you know, walking away from the church or, or, like, picking up a different religion, you know, or something that can lead to so many different things. But Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, tell us where that led you. So that kind of led to a downward spiral. I didn't, like, go off into alcohol or drugs or anything, because you were like 13. I was 13. <laughs> I mean, not to say, I guess there are a lot of people out there, but um, being homeschooled and living in kind of a rural, alcohol and drugs wasn't such an access to us. No, definitely not. But wasn't access to me was, I guess I just have a naturally dark nature. I'm very curious. Um, I'm an EMT now, so I like morbid things in the body. So um, that kind of led to an obsession with some some really creepy things um really disgusting and with that I spiraled into depression and so spiraling into depression I struggled with that for about a year and then at 14 I became suicidal and so that (laughs) got bad um not a good place (laughs) definitely not I would cry myself to sleep every night I would cry out to god you know why And again, I didn't view God as a personal God to me. I knew he was there. I knew he loved people. And I knew that he cared, but I didn't think that he cared about me. And honestly, I thought God didn't really want anything to do with me, that he didn't care about me. Like, individually, God didn't know know that I existed in my mind. And the funny thing is, on the outside, you couldn't really tell. Like, I think my family knew some stuff was happening. But I think outside of that, like, no one really knew. I still went to youth group every week. I read my Bible every day. still went to church every week. I didn't look like the stereotype in your mind for a 14-year-old battling with suicidal thoughts and all that. I mean, like, willing to, like, speak to them is, like, you know, living there in the house until you were, like, 14. So I was 17 at the time. I mean, like, I remember Camus, like, being like having bad days and I remember like one time she's just crying and I like try to comfort her and um yeah she's just like upset and stuff and I remember like her being like moody and stuff but like like she's saying she's not like the stereotype you see in movies she doesn't have 
black hair that's in her face. <laughs> um, or she's not, like, dressing in all black. And, I mean, it's, I mean, you can, like, there are some signs that, you know, she's not necessarily, like, happy or normal. Not, not necessarily normal is the right word, but happy and just, like, in a good headspace. But they weren't major signs. Like, she's saying, like, I didn't realize to the extent that the problem was, you know. Yeah, and I don't think anyone really did. And so that was, like, really hard as well, like, feeling really alone in that and feeling like I couldn't really reach out because Christians aren't supposed to have problems like these. They aren't supposed to struggle with depression and, like, suicidal thoughts. And so that was really hard for me. And so... I kind of struggled with that. I got to the point of I wrote my own will and I had a plan that was formulating in my head, but I didn't ever think that I would really come to do it. But now, like, looking back, kind of was scary. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we <laughs> laugh because it's awkward. <laughs> Not because we think this is funny. Uh, no, it's just kind of a hard thing to say. So, um... Like I said, we went to church every week, and our church had an evangelistic series. And so we went to that because we were good little Christians. And the pastor and his wife got up, and they were new to our church, and they started to tell their testimonies. And so the pastor's wife had a testimony of how she struggled with depression and you, how she kind of looked at everything this world had to offer, like, cars, money, success, and all the different aspects of that, and how she kind of came to the realization that there wasn't really anything more, like that God had the best thing to offer, that in the end, the things of this world just kind of like they rot away, like they're not substitute. When you die, you can't take them with you, as the saying goes. So, so kind of like, I think you, I see now you have Ecclesiastes open. Isn't that where it talks about like, um, isn't it? Solomon that talks about like you know mm -hmm. everything is worth nothing vanities and it's like grasping the wind yeah and I, that's really kind of true and that's I mean like for me like reading that it's always really hard to be like I don't know I guess I'm not necessarily there and like oh this world has good things to offer but I mean like yeah really without God it's always kind of pointless yeah and so I kind of walked away from that and you would think that that would be like an aha moment for me but it really wasn't, like, I didn't care. I didn't really want to be there. And <laughs> <laughs> Mom's always forcing us to go places. <laughs> True. And so I just didn't really touch me. Like, yes, this was a nice lady, and she struggled with all these things. But she came from the world, and, like, you know, she had reasons to be depressed. And I didn't, and I, I hated myself. You say come from the world, and you mean, like, she didn't come from a Christian background. Yeah, she okay. didn't come from a Christian background. And I guess I, like really speaking to that is like I couldn't connect with her on that level because I came from a Christian background and Christians weren't supposed to feel this way and I was really upset with myself that I did feel this way because of that but after that I was reading Ecclesiastes because like I said I, I read my Bible every day so I was still in there and so I started reading this and like Kylie said it's written by Solomon and so I kind of just picked it up and I'm like oh, cool, everything is meaningless. Let's see what this dude has to say. <laughs> and I honestly think Solomon was depressed when he wrote this because it just spoke to me. Like, everything that I had been feeling, everything that I had been thinking, like, Solomon 
put words to it. Yeah. Uh, just to speak on that, because like you're saying, like, there's kind of that stigmatism. And like our churches, churches are getting better about that, you know, about stigmatisms around mental illness. But there was kind of a stigmatism for a while that like mental illness is like demon possession or like not having a true <laughs> relationship with God and all of these things. But like, you know, the Bible's full of imperfect characters and like Solomon and David, like I read Psalms and Camus reads Ecclesiastes and I see David struggling with depression like so much. Like sometimes I wonder like, is David bipolar? <laughs> like you read like, you know, one chapter and he's like, like on top of the world and you read the next chapter and he's like down in the dumps. I mean, it's also kind of his life. That's kind of how it was going. But, um, but God is like through these characters, you know, he's showing us that like, we're not alone in these struggles. Like <laughs> other people have felt these things and have dealt with them. And I think it's really like beautiful that, you know, like, even though it might not straight up say it, like, there are Bible characters that, like, felt it, too, like. Yeah, like, especially, like, when you're going through the same thing, and you're reading it, and you're like, man, like, I just get this, like, this just hits me. Like, you have to think that they were in a similar headspace when they wrote it, or at least they knew what it felt like to be there. Yeah. And so, like, just reading Ecclesiastes, and, like, just hearing this guy talking about how everything's meaningless, how it's all, like, trying to chase the wind and grasp it, like, you know, getting wisdom and, like, fulfilling yourself with all these pleasures and these parties. And he even talks about, in, like, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it's called A Time for Everything. And he talks about how, like, there's a time to embrace and a time to turn away and, like, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep things and a time to throw them away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. That really spoke to me, like, just, like, all these different times and these different things and how he talked about how he searched for wisdom and how he searched for pleasure and meaning in this life, but it all came to, like, nothing. He couldn't find it in wealth or wisdom, and he couldn't find happiness just like me. Like, he couldn't find, like, the thing that made life worth living. And he even talks about, and this is like the one like verse that really gets me that where I think he was depressed, as he talks about how like it would be better to have never been born. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Sorry. But in my mindset back then, I was like, preach, brother, preach. <laughs> uh, I did not want to be here. And I was going through so much pain and I just wanted to end it. And I was like, yes, you get this. And honestly just love the whole book <laughs> so guys she's saying go out there read ecclesiastes um yeah just do it do it right now what are you waiting for well finish our podcast um and then go do it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but the last two verses is what really like just struck me it was like it was a slap in the face and he said so basically he just says that everything's meaningless again and he says but my child let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study worries you out. That's the whole story. Here is now my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everybody's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And kind of like a weird verse to realize that God actually, like, likes you. <laughs> but 
it was my verse. It's like, wait, what? What just happened? Solomon, I thought you got it. What did you just say? Like, you were with me. Like, it's better to not be born. Everything's meaningless. There's no point. And then you say, like, obey God's commands because there's a judgment coming. Like, what? And so I literally, like, sat there for, like, I don't know, like, 15, 20 minutes. And I just was thinking about... Which is a long time for us in our house. We're not very good at sitting still. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That sounds like a long time for me, but (laughs) go ahead. So, yeah. So I'm just sitting there. I'm mulling this over. I'm like, what do you mean, like, you know, live for God? Like, all of this nonsense. Like, you just said life was meaningless. What do you even mean by this? And it kind of just, like hit me finally that he's saying okay my kid live your life how you want to I mean you can drink you can party you can live it up you can watch crap read crap whatever but at the end of the day there's a god and he's gonna judge us for what we've done and he knows everything and I'm like okay and then he talks about so I can do this way. I can go, like, the world's way. I can, like, drink. I can party. I can get a successful job, be successful, and all of those things. But I already know that's not the route that's working for me because I've walked on my own for so long and it's not brought me happiness to this point. Like, just doing my own thing and being a naughty little child didn't fulfill me. Or I can, like, go God's route and, like, live for Him and obey His commandments. And it kind of hit me for the first time that I was Christian in name only. Up to this point, I just, I thought of myself as a Christian. If you asked me if I was saved, I would say yes. But I realized, like, I never really given my heart to God. I never really, like, set a course to follow Him. Like, it was just, like, the culture that I grew up in. Like, it wasn't a personal decision. And I realized that I never gave God a chance. Like, I never let him into my hurt. Like, yes, when I was crying myself to sleep at night, I would turn to him and be like, God, just give me peace so I can sleep because I can't do this. And he would give me that peace. But I wouldn't stick with him. Like, the next morning, I'd wake up and I'd do my own things and I'd go back to my old bad habits. Like, it never stuck. And I realized, like, I never gave God a chance. I never let him into my hurt and my pain. And I never let him say, you are enough, Camus. You don't have to be perfect. Just sit with me. Just let me love you for a second. Because <laughs> kind of like, I think it's a Bible verse. There's so many like sayings out there that like we think come from the Bible and they don't. But like, be still and know I'm God. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. I've been really focusing on that verse recently too. Because like, I'm such a mover in, in action. And like, I really had to like step back and say like, I need to like sit still sometimes and just like yeah, know that God is God, you know? Yeah, it was definitely it. Like, exactly. Like, I never just sat still and knew who God was and just let him be God. And so I kind of realized that I'd never given God a chance, that I'd never taken this alternate route that Solomon suggests in Ecclesiastes. So I was like, all right, you know, I will give God a chance because I've exhausted all my other resources And I'm not happy. I don't like myself right now. And I don't like where I'm at. So I'm going to try something that's radically different. I'm going to give God my life. But I don't want the same religion that I've been living. 
I want it to be a religion that moves. I want it to be a religion that does something, you know, like, I want when people to look at me, they see God. Like, I want to be out there doing things in my community. I want to help people. I don't want to just be a Christian in name only anymore. So I made God this deal that I would try it his way. (laughs) Yeah, I would try it his way. I would let him be in charge. I would be active in evangelism. I would be out there with people. I would read my Bible and I would really sit and meditate and just let God be God. And if that didn't work out, I mean, no harm, no foul. There's still my suicide plan. It's fine. So that was kind of where I was at. So I told my pastor that I wanted to be baptized. And he was all for it. My pastor was new. He had no idea what was happening. My family barely did. And so I went through all the steps and kind of like leading up towards my baptism, I kind of tried to stop all my bad habits because I knew like, It's not what God wants and it's not what he desires of me, but I was really addicted to it and it was really hard and I mean, I felt better. I wasn't as suicidal anymore, but it was still a real struggle and I was still praying and I was really trying because I really did want to give God a chance, but it just, it didn't really feel like it was working. And then the day comes and I get baptized and I go down into the water and it's freezing and it literally takes my breath away and I come up and I'm like gasping for air because I'm literally cold. It's very cold river. (laughs) It is really cold and it was like end of summer and it was freezing and so I come out of the water and I'm like oh yay happy excited and don't really think about you know like almost depression and stuff or whatever and then a couple years go by and someone asked me, you know, Camus, how did you become saved and what's going on with your life? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Just, you know, God showed up one day and I started thinking about it and I realized, oh, snap, like that was that moment when I was struggling with depression that I really gave myself to God. And I'm like, man, when did my depression end? And I'm like, wait, after I got baptized, like it just stopped. Like, I just stopped having suicidal thoughts, and I just stopped going back to the trash that I was living in, and it just stopped. Like, it was... And that, that, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Like, and that's the whole point of this. Like, I mean, like, one, like, praise God, that's awesome. But, like, two, like, the whole point of this is, like, yeah, is that, that, you know, like, Camus is saying, like, she didn't even, like, see or remember that like depression had stopped when she got baptized until she looked back and had to tell somebody the story and that's the point of this is like for other people and for ourselves to remember oh wow god is in my life like oh oh yeah <laughs> he's been there yeah and just like total disclaimer like i know that doesn't happen for everyone like when you get baptized or like when you turn to god like i know some good people that like they really do have a relationship with God and they're amazing Christians, but they still struggle with depression and like all these thoughts. But I think that God just did that for me because he knew it was the one thing I couldn't handle. It was the one thing that if he just let it be, it would have eventually destroyed me because I just, I couldn't cope at all with it. And I just gave it to him. And I honestly don't even, like there wasn't a moment where I just gave it to him. But I so completely broke that day with Ecclesiastes. It's like God just have all of me that he 
He let me struggle with it for a little bit longer, but when I finally did fully submit and go under that water and just die and then come up again as a new creation, he took that away because he knew that it wasn't going to be for my benefit anymore, that it had outlived its purpose. And now he was going to let me feel that joy and that love of him coming in. And in Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxietous thoughts. Point out everything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So God had searched me before I had even really come to him. And he saw all these aches and these struggles. And when I broke, he saw to what purpose they were leading was to this path of everlasting life. And he took them away and he took depression away because I couldn't continue down that path with that burden. And I know for some people that in the struggle, we can't see the end of the light. Like I get it, but it has a purpose and it has a point and there is going to be eventually an end to the pain, even though you can't see it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing yours. So, yeah. So since we thought, you know, we'd be going out there and asking other people, this is kind of like an introduction to like us and who we are, you know, so we're not just like some voice, like there's faces behind these (laughs) stories behind these voices. Yeah. Um, I don't have something as long to share as Camus. We were going to try and see if we could fit it in. Um, but I'm guessing not, but yeah, so welcome to our podcast. Um, we're going to post these every week, so come back and next week we'll be either interviewing me, Kylie, or, um, somebody else. I kind of have a couple people in mind waiting for Camus to coordinate that. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, she is. Um, but yeah, so thank you. Um, but yeah, just remember God is real and God is good. Yep. Have a great week, guys. Bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page. That is God is Real, God is Good podcast. Or you can email us at God is Real, God is Good podcast at gmail.com. Bye.